You are you now are listening, listening to, to the unmistakable sound of the War Report. Before we switch gears to the gridiron and start talking football, yes. if, you, if you've been paying attention to the bracketologist, whether it's Palm or Lenardi, Auburn is staring down the barrel of a number two seed at this point. Uh, they mentioned, I think, some of the names for number one seeds, of course, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and now Baylor. My question to you guys, and I think this uh, the irony of that after we pretty much blasted the Big 12 for not being as good as the SEC this year. We still believe that. Your, my question to you fellas is, who really deserves that fourth number one seed? Uh, that's interesting, right? Look at what happened down the stretch here. Everybody farted down the stretch. Everybody farted down the stretch just about. Uh, you know, um, Gonzaga had a less than, they ended up winning their conference tournament, but, you know, it was pretty much a high school scrimmage. Uh, the Arizona does look good coming down the stretch. Baylor got bumped. You know, Kansas, I, I don't know how you could look at them and just say, oh, they're playing dominant basketball right now. Right? Uh, I think at the end of the day, they're just liking their record in terms of quadrant one wins. I, that, that's all I can make of it. Because they're giving, like, they have quite a few quadrant uh, one wins, but they didn't got thumped. Oh, Baylor? At, or No, Kansas. Kansas. Okay, Bay, yeah. Baylor, I think, is 10 and 5, I think. Is yeah, Baylor they, 10 and 5? Yeah, yeah, and then Kansas is twelve and five. So they so they like their quadrant, their their quadrant one wins, and I think that's a playing a major factor in this. Yeah, I'm I'm not mad at Auburn getting a two seed because of where we how we ended our season. Um, I don't know that we we needed to win the Texas A and M game for me to to say definitively that we deserved the one. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm not, and I'm not mad at any of those other teams getting the the one seeds either. Because the opportunities that the SEC had, Solomon says it um, adequately here. The SEC, the top schools choked it away. T- Kentucky basically had a layup. It was in a driver's seat. I won't yeah, say that, a layup, but they, they would have grabbed had, that one seat. They, they had the grabbed it. path to get there, and then they went out there last night and decided, eh, who needs a one seat, right? Like they had their opportunity to get it, and they they choked it away last night as well. So. Um, so yeah, man, I, I I I'm not mad at the teams that are going to get it, uh, but this is clearly one of those years where there's no far and away this team is the odds-on favorite to win the tournament. Everybody who's in the tourney has a shot to go on a run and and make this happen, which is why I'm a little disappointed in the Auburn fans' overreaction right now. Of like, oh, we're gonna get bounced in the you know round of 32. There. No, there's no dominant teams out here. So if you just play your game and you're making shots, you have a chance to win if you're Auburn because of how you play basketball, which is defensively. Right. right. Uh, there's just not a team yeah. out there that just looks like unbeatable and you're going to run into some juggernaut. But again, I understand you want Auburn to be unbeatable and they're the juggernaut. It's just not the case this year. So you just got to go out there and play ball. We still have not been beat by double digits this year. At not all. one time. Nobody time has beat us by double digits. looks like they're going to get run off the court, they make some sort of run and make it respectable at the end. Mm -hmm. So I will say this. I mean, we have zero losses outside of quad one. So 
No losses you could look back. No no double-digit losses. So there's no loss you could look back and say Auburn didn't have a chance in that game. They got dominated from start to finish. Um, I would also argue that... Now, JG has said this and Ike has said this. That I'm not sure that grabbing that number one, that that four, that last one seed, the fourth ranked one seed yeah. is better than being the number one two seed. I I personally think that it's better that, to be the that's highest. That's what John Brandon says. The two seed yeah. might be a better path. Better for path us. for us. Yeah. yeah. So um I would not get super hung up on the one seed debate. Uh Duke got their Dukes blasted, right? Like <laughs> Uh, the other night, they got bounced out of the ACC tournament. Uh, you know, there were a lot of teams here that just did not, that completely laid an egg in their conference tournament. Yeah. It's, it's astounding when you look at it. So no, nobody has been super dominant. Uh, this tournament is wide open, and anybody can get hot and win. And outside of these top teams, there are some teams that can be sneaky dangerous if they get in. Guys, if Texas A&M finds a way into this tournament somehow, they could make some noise. Playing basketball, good basketball at the right time. Uh, what was it? Uh, was it last year or the year before? They I read something where UCLA was like last four in and then made the final four. So, it, it, I mean, just it's it's there. There was an opportunity here for this team to, to do something. We have a great coach. They'll have about a week to reset and try to figure out what they're, what you know, how to get the offense going. But I asked Bruce Pearl, and I'll, I'll keep saying this: Hey, man, like now that there's no tomorrow, you lose. There's no tomorrow. Do you run more of your offense through Jabari Smith, through your best score, or do you die trying to play basketball the way you are, where you know you're prone to these cold spells from guys like Katie Johnson? Do you rein KD in and say, hey, man, listen, 14 shots. You, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, and it's a tough calculus because if you go out there and you ask him to change his game. Right. That's that might, right. Or maybe do you just sit him a little bit and rotate some other guys in and try to get some other guys to, to, to score, get the ball in the paint a little bit more. And, you know, when he starts doing that kind of like, uh, you know, he starts dribbling between the legs on the perimeter and you just you don't know what he's going to do. He's going to pull up from 33 feet or maybe drops the hole, you know, out of control and try to make a layup or something or get fouled. Uh, he wasn't getting the calls when he was going to the hole. It felt right. like, you know, when we lost to Texas A&M. So yeah, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see what they decide to do in terms of strategy down the stretch here because this is wide open. If Auburn is playing average offensive basketball we feel pretty unbeatable if the defense just keeps doing what they've been doing all year and we have right. no reason to believe that they won't because they have not really had any major meltdowns defensively all year right all right agreed agreed uh walt taylor says can we all say lsu what took you so long to fire will not sad about it at all that's actually mm. that's actually something we're going to talk about in a later segment so Man, uh Cannot wait for that. Many fresh hands with that one. Uh, James Barnett says, fellas, what do you guys think about this crazy narrative that because Bruce Pearl got the extension, all of a sudden he stopped coaching? That's so That's, That's my first time hearing that. 
And yeah. hopefully my last time hearing that, that is asinine. I have to agree with you, James, on that one. That's a lot uh, of people from other fan bases pushing that. Yeah, uh, I've seen it on Twitter. Twitter a, is an interesting place. All right, guys, listen. Let's 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 talk. Let's talk about football. Let's shift gears. Spring is here. Auburn begins its spring practice on tomorrow, March the 14th. I know what I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'm really curious to see specifically the competition in the secondary. Uh, there's some guys I'm looking to actually take a big step this upcoming season in the secondary. Uh, that's that's Jalen Simpson, um, Pritchett. Uh, we got some newcomers who came from highly, highly recruited. I'm curious to see the competition there, but I'm also curious to see now that we have a new defensive coordinator, what's kind of the philosophy? Is it still the same? Do we keep everything in front of us? Are we still a, are we aggressive? And and do we play a lot of press man? Like, what does this defense look like in year two with the new defensive coordinator? And those are some things that I'm I'm curious to see if we get any sound bites out of practice with players talking or coaches saying some things. Those are some things that I'm looking forward to seeing in terms of the identity defensively with some of the changes we've had as well as the competition. But I'm gonna throw it to my G. What are some things you're looking forward to seeing this upcoming spring? It's got to be the quarterback battle, right? Like, save that one for you. I save that one for you. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be this quarterback battle. It's it's it's. Um, I've gone through this. I went on locked on, and we talked about it. You know, there's just a lot of people who just don't have any faith in 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 TJ Finley, sure. uh, based on how last season ended, and. Promising to foolish is promising to not watch Auburn football if he wins the job, and I'm like good because I'll I'll tell you he's just as good a chance as anybody to win that job this spring, you know, based on knowledge of the system, you know, uh, work put in, you know, a rapport with the staff. There are a lot of things that go into the decision of choosing who your starting quarterback is, and TJ checks a lot of boxes. There's just nothing that I saw last year that isn't correctable with hard work. Nothing. And I'm, I'll die on that hill. It doesn't mean that he will or he won't. But the potential is still there. He just, he, in terms of games played, he has not played very much football at the Division I level. In game. Now, he's got more starting experience than most, but uh, than a lot of guys, uh, certainly, that have been in for a couple of years, like Robbie Ashford, you know, it's been in a couple of years now and he doesn't have any uh, starting experience yet. Uh, D Davis has been with us for a year. You know, he doesn't have any in-game experience. And then you've got Calzada who's coming in and he is going to be severely limited with his shoulders, you know, injury this spring. So that leaves a lot of uh, situational reps for other guys to take in drills and in live game scenarios. And somebody can make a huge move this spring towards solidifying the job. Now, I, I would argue based on body, whole body of work in college, Calzada, if anybody can, is the one that could probably afford to miss the spring right, and still have a reasonable shot to win the job in fall camp. I don't think any of these other guys could afford to miss spring. I don't know that anybody can really afford to miss spring, but you know it. Do, it does set you back. 
I just think it's it's got to be all eyes are going to be on that quarterback position. Just I've, all but one person on our offensive starting offensive line returns. Tank is back. Jarquez is back. You know, uh, 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 Javarius Johnson is coming back. Everybody made a big deal about this guy going into the portal and leaving, and he's going to be back. Kobe is gone, but we still got Malcolm Johnson. You know, we still have uh, uh, Tavares Dawson. Uh, uh, the, the, all the quarterbacks have been raving about Jay Fair. Mm-hmm. If, if you know, two of these guys at receivers step up this spring and can be, you know, go-to guys for these quarterbacks. We have probably one of the best tight end rooms we've ever had at Auburn with Shanker, Deal, and Fromm, and um, Landon King. Come on, man. Like, this is not... Maybe receiver. Yeah, I just think it it all brings me back to quarterback. If you find the right quarterback this spring, you can shock a lot of people in a year where... the, the, the I know we play Georgia and Bama on the road, but other than that, the rest of the schedule sets up really nice. Five straight home games to start the season. And a lot of teams on that schedule that you beat last year. Yeah. Already in kind of a down year. So if we improve any, I just think, I I don't know, man. Like having a real quarterback competition this spring is going to be, be real. Brian Harson was not in an advantageous position last spring with the quarterbacks. Right, you know, your TJ got here after the spring practice was over, so missing that time, you know, kind of relegated him to that two role. I think, you know, and and those are critical reps he missed with our team that may have made him more effective, even if he didn't win the starting job down the stretch. Getting that spring is really important, you know, and, and then you had D Davis, who freshman trying to adjust to the game. At this level, really no shot that he was going to play and Grant Loy. <laughs> right. So, you know, you had two quarterbacks and, and, you know, and Bo Nix, who obviously won the job and was having his best season by far until the injury. But we still saw some really low lows from that quarterback during that season as well, too. Georgia State and Texas A&M. The floor was still pretty low in terms of how bad it could get with the guy who we started. So what I'm looking for this spring from quarterback is, can we raise the floor, the minimum, the MVP, the minimum viable product from the quarterback position, you know, from whoever wins the job? That's what you've got to be looking for. And what you've got to show the coaches in the spring is you've got to show them consistency. You've got to show them hard work, try hard. You've got to be a try hard this spring. So you've got to put forth the effort and you need to demonstrate an, a, a, a deep understanding of offensive concepts because that's what builds trust between a quarterback and his coach. When we send you out there, you're going to be able to execute whatever it is we call. And can I trust you to get us out of bad plays? Those are the best teams. The coach calls a play, and the quarterback is another coach on the field that can say, eh, I don't like this protection. I'm going to switch this up. Being able, being feeling free to have that autonomy to do that 
is something that is a marker for how much trust the coach has in his quarterback. Right. I want to see some of that this spring. So this is going to be exciting to watch. I think it's wide open. Calzada and TJ have an edge up on everybody just based on experience. But I would not be surprised to see Robbie Ashford or or now, according to reports, D. Davis. I go back and forth on D. I admittedly flip-flop on D. Davis. And not because of his talent at all. I think this kid's dynamic talent. Uh, but, you know, uh, the uh, X factor was this coaching staff, how they're viewing things. That's what my flip-flop has been about. Like, mm. you know, what's important to these coaches? The more we learn about them, the more I thought, mm, D may not be a good fit here. And then, you know, reports are he's starting to adjust and mature and, and get into it. I'm just like, yes, okay, I want to believe that. I want to believe that a kid can get feedback and change and be the best version of himself that gives us another guy who can go in and get the job done so it's exciting it's gonna be exciting this spring i'm excited for it uh and i think fans should be too they should be hopeful there should be a lot more hopeful than uh some of the pundits and the media would would have you believe that this is gloom and doom the staff and the players have a really good shot to do something special this spring War Report family, you are listening to the Weekend Tailgate Podcast. You're in the right place for great discussion of Auburn sports news, but there's so much more available to our YouTube channel patrons. Patron-level supporters get first dibs on select content, special chat privileges when we have special segments and big-time guests, and only patrons get access to our off-season football film reviews that kick off after A-Day. We're talking next-level film breakdowns to look at what we did in 2021 and even give us a glimpse of what to expect in 2022. And did I mention the patron giveaways? So head on over to our YouTube page and look for the join button. Become a patron-level member and get your weight up. All right, now let's get back to it. And you have more people bought in this time around than you did a year ago. 40%. 40% of the team is what we were told were bought into what they were trying to do last season. That is a significant hurdle to overcome. When you have guys who, you know, maybe going out there and going through the motions, but they're not really bought into what the plan is. So we saw an exodus through the, the uh, transfer portal. And now the guys that have chosen to stay are bought in. And some of the guys who jumped in and changed their mind and now are now coming back, get it now. You know why? Because they went out there. I cannot talk about this all t- the time. And and they found out their stock wasn't what they thought it was. Or that grass was actually AstroTurf. And mm-hmm. It was the real thing. And, and it causes you to be introspective and reflect on where you're at and be like, okay, maybe this is what Coach was talking about. Maybe I do need to work on these things. Yeah. Maybe I do look, need to look at me and work on me. So, uh, you know, once, once the team, you know, people, guys making that personal growth you know, as individuals and then coming together as a team with those realizations, you know, you, you make that personal growth as an individual. It makes you a better teammate. And once you become a better teammate, you, you, know, you, can, you can elevate yourself and uh, the guys around you. And, and so there's a, lot, there's a lot, but I just think it starts at quarterback, man. I, those guys have to believe in the guy that, we, that they put out there. And TJ is very, I mean, he's popular on the team, right? Like he's got, the, those guys really, you, we seen, we saw at times how they rallied around him. He takes responsibility for stuff, and, and 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 a guy who will at least acknowledge where he needs to improve has the best chance to improve. Mm-hmm. Now, in our interview with him, 
he said, man, consistency and be- becoming a better leader. I'm going to get guys out of their room. I highly suggest you go watch that interview if you haven't seen it. Um, you know, and, and he does not go to throw without telling the other quarterbacks that he's going to throw. Now grabbing the receivers, guys, let's go. Yeah. I like that. I love that attitude. All right, your thoughts, man. What's your, what, what are you looking forward to this upcoming spring? What are some things that you're looking at specifically? What players, if any, what, what are you looking to see? Yeah, I mean, of course, the quarterback situation is one that's going to be of interest because it is the probably the first season in a while that we've gone into the season without a clear idea of who the number one was, right? Like, you know, we we had a debate last offseason about what the pecking order was going to be going in and whose job it was to lose. I don't know that it's anybody's job to lose right now. I think it's a true open competition. Someone needs to differentiate themselves. And I don't even know if that we'll have that answer going out of spring, right? We might have a better idea of where people are falling in line, but I don't know that anyone's going to be a true, hey, it's their job to lose leaving spring unless they are heads and tails above everyone else. Um, And from a talent perspective, I think it's fairly close. The difference is going to be experience um, at this point. Then when you get into the other position battles that I think to me are particularly interesting, you talked about defensive backfield. Um, and where a lot of the turnover is going to be happening there. And there's some guys that have transferred in. But then the other one is going to be linebacker for me, right? Like the run game that we had last year, or the defensive run game that we had, was significantly worse when Zacoby McClain was not a part of that picture. Who's going to be the person that's going to be uh, assisting and making sure, not just you know from a tackle standpoint, because the productivity just, I don't care who gets the tackles, whether it's one person or by committee, but just getting in the right position to make sure the defense up front is handling the run the way that they need to be um, and not allowing teams to just be able to tee off um, and, and and just choke the clock out by running it down our throats, right? So um, the linebacker position is going to be one that's particularly interesting for me as well. And then lastly, wide receiver, right? Ike Hillier coming in as the wide receiver coach. Um, of course, the name is big and, you know, he – what he's been able to do in his career has been noted. Is right. he going to be able to help make sure that this wide receiver group that was making strides towards the end of last year, you know, that started out really tough last year, made strides, are they going to continue to improve? And are we going to be able to get consistent productivity from that position to help out what could be potentially a, a quarterback that could struggle, right, at times, right? But you you can't struggle and your wide receiver struggle, right? Like you got to, we're going to have to pick a struggle next year. We can't, we can't have it both be that we can't, we can't be both. It can't be the wide receivers are struggling and the quarterback is struggling. One of the two of y'all going to have to decide what's going to be. Um, and I, if, if the quarterback's delivering the ball, you got to catch it and you've got to be able to, you know, do something with it once you get it into your hands. Right. And so hopefully um, what we're able to do from, from the standpoint of having an effective pass game allows for our run game to have more room to operate. And then you'll see, the true talent of those running backs be able to, to function outside of a seven, eight man box every, every game. So pro day guys, Auburn actually hosts pro days, very kind of quiet under the radar pro day. It seems to me, but Auburn is hosting his pro day on Tuesday, March the 15th and actually doing two time slots. So 
The pro timing day for draft eligible players will be held on Tuesday at 7. I'm hearing some people say 7.15, so it's 7, 7.15-ish uh, in the morning, and then they're uh, having a they're having the pro day for the rising seniors later that day at 1 p.m. Uh, Mike G, you have recorded you have recorded a few pro days. You've seen them in action. What 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 typically in an effort to educate the fans, what takes place on a pro day, and and what's what's the what's the point behind it? Uh, yeah, before I jump to that, Lisa, I didn't see it either. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I know you put it in. I know you put it in. It did not go by at all. So I'm keeping stock of names I don't see. And then we're going to do a special drawing where only you guys get in. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to test it. Um, but yeah, so pro day, right? I filmed my uh, fair share of pro days. Uh, one of my one of my favorite pro days um, that I ever filmed was Jay Ratliff. So if you guys remember, he was a, um, a defensive lineman for us, uh, you know, during our time in school. And this is your chance to really impress scouts. Now, not everybody gets invited to the combine. So on pro day, you know, players that did not get invited to the combine, players who maybe a few years removed from Auburn but have not gone pro can come back and participate in pro day. So, and, you know, former players can come back and participate in Pro Day if they've been working on their own to try to impress scouts with their workouts. I remember the pro uh, scouts talking about how good Jay Ratliff was with his hands. It was one of the reasons why he got a shot. And, you know, sometimes the, the combine, it's impossible to get everybody to the combine that's going to be somebody. So uh, Pro Day coming up is a good chance for players to come back and and – you know, make an impression on pro scouts. These workouts, you know, you, you run a good 40 time. Uh, you show some good work in the weight room. Uh, you do a, a few things that, that uh, you know, it's, it's the same. It's almost like a mini combine workout is what you go through on pro day. So uh, Auburn's pro day is this Tuesday. And um, what they're going to uh, be going through is going to be going through a series of workouts that, um, that are going to show off to two scouts what they can do. Um, now, what is uh, now what is that? Let's see here. So I had that pulled up here, right? Uh, so they're going to start in the weight room. They're going to weigh in and they're going to do measurements. So uh, a lot of what happens after the season is over, you know, you're going pro. Uh, what a lot of these guys do is they hire personal trainers. They go into training mode for about a month where they will try to get their bodies in tip-top physical condition uh, to show off for pro scouts. I remember uh, seeing what Roderick Hood looked like when he came back to Auburn for his pro day after being working with his, uh, um, you know, his, his guy for like three weeks, and he looked like he, somebody put him in the Captain America machine. It was insane. I was like, wow, Roderick got in crazy shape. Uh, and now these are, these are already tip-top athletes, you know, and and there's another level past that when you're getting ready for the combine that these guys all find a way to go super saiyan before before they have to work out in front of these scouts. So um, at 8:45, they're going to get into they're going to do flexibility tests, uh, vertical jumps, and bench press things that just show off strength and athleticism. So um, the bench press, 
depending on, you know, Kevin Yox was not a real big bench press guy. He just kind of felt like you don't play the game on your back. So why would you practice doing this on your back? Right. But uh, it does, you know, that motion of being able to push guys off of you and stiff arm guys, it's going to matter. So what they usually do is they put 225 pounds on the bar and it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, a max out, right? It's a burnout. I'm sorry. It's a burnout where they want to just see how many reps can you get a 225 before you fail. Now, uh, what's normal? You know, your average receiver is not even going to be able to do this 20 times. Now, at my strongest, I was able to put up about 18 reps of 225 before failure. Uh, that puts me not exactly with the kickers, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I felt strong. I felt really strong at that point. Uh, you know, so I've seen Lyman do this upwards of 40 times, which is crazy strong. I mean, they're throwing around that bar like it's a toothpick, uh, but they'll do the 225 test. There are some receivers that will sit out the 225 test because, again, it's not really relevant to – that's not strength that they need. Uh, so it, it helps if they do it. But, you know, at the end of the day, linemen, running backs, the 225 test is really important for running backs. Uh, linemen, linebackers, uh, receivers, and kickers, not so much. Um, receivers are doing uh, vertical uh, – they're yes. testing their, 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 their leap, right? Yeah, speed and agility primarily for receivers. Uh, yeah. Then they'll move to the indoor facility where they'll do a broad jump, a 40-yard dash, again, more agility, L drills, 60-yard shuttle, um, and then they'll go through position workouts where you'll go through drills relevant to your position. If you're a quarterback, you know what that means. And what you'll have is you'll have some receivers who – may not even be playing, but they're still in great shape, come back. They had great rapport with their quarterbacks, come back and just catch balls on pro day for their guy. Uh, so it's kind of cool to watch. Uh, you know, uh, I've, seen, I've seen this happen where guys are, are just come back and say, hey, listen, man, I, I already graduated, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to catch, catch balls for Calzada. And, you know, and, and, and it helps when you know where a guy's going to be and you know exactly – you know, what Casey runs at and how to lay a ball out for him, uh, that definitely matters. So you can look really good at Pro Day. It's your, it's your chance to kind of stage it a little bit and then show off where you don't have to, you can take other elements that you have to focus on out of the picture and just go out there and, and just be natural and show them what you can do. So uh, speed kills. I think we know that speed kills. And um, I want to say in this combine, we had the second or third fastest 40 time ever run. This offseason, chat helped me out here. There was a kid who but was burning fast at the combine. They had a guy. He was at just, Baylor? Was he at Baylor, I think? Yeah, God, some guy just tore it up. And I was like, I wow. He ran like a 4-2? Four 4-2 two? Four two something. Yeah, yeah, I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. So uh, you get you get a chance to really just show off. And, and, and this is like last chance, man, for a lot of these guys to make an impression on scouts and try to get on a draft board somewhere where somebody may take a chance on you in the late rounds. You know, I have I know guys who were there and there are high profile players that actually skip the combine to work out at their pro day. And you'll see you'll see that a lot, too. Some guys are just like, I'm not going to throw at the combine. If you want to see me throw, you're going to come to my pro day. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just to, to be in a better environment where you feel more comfortable and, and you can show off a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know, Ike, if you had any comments on that. Uh, we, we don't know who's actually participating. Um, the university hasn't released that. Um, so I'm curious to see once once Pro Day gets here, who actually participated and how they did. So maybe something else we'll discuss on Wednesday as well. Good luck to all these guys on Pro Day. For sure, man. for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hope they do well.